Welcome back to episode 198 of Your Best Year Starts Here with me, Neil Martin, my good friend, uh, my good friend, Mr. Nigel Risner. He's actually here. And um, yeah, let's crack on. And I think I just almost did like one of those like DJ rewind things then, you know, like we go, and then play the record backwards and start it again. You know, it, it felt like that in the intro. I don't know how I can get it wrong after nearly 200 episodes. Um, but hey, you know, sometimes. But, but like, that's what life is about though. That exactly. That's exactly what life's about. You can do 200 speeches, 200 applications, 200 viewings, and something can still go wrong because we are not perfect. Exactly. We can operate excellence. We're not perfect. But I wanted to go back to last week's episode about one word we used at the very end, which was to crank it up. I'm very privileged that I, I share the stage where I follow great speakers. And James Cracknell, an Olympic rower, mm-hmm. uh, who sadly had a terrible accident, but he's still a phenomenal speaker, um, he used a phrase where he said, that when you're rowing, we were trying to do 36 strokes a minute, but at some point, our cocks would say, and crank it. And we would go from 36 strokes a minute to 38. So we always had it in our tank. But at some point, we need to really ramp up what we're doing. And he said, people who finish first, however tired they are, always have energy. Yeah. And people who finish second look defeated. Yeah. He said, so you've got to feel like you can crank it up, and there's a bit more in the tank. And he said, his last line, which I have used a few times, and credit to him, he says, make sure your worst is better than everyone else's best. Mm-hmm. So if you're practicing times and you know that even your worst time is better than most others, you know you're going for a winner. Mm-hmm. And what they did, which was brilliant as an Olympic rowing team, was to look at other people's teams and practice those Olympic times. And then knew they still had a bit more energy in the tank to crank it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been friends with Chris Akabusi for a long time. And what he's done, and I've shared it before, he needs to learn his craft, invested his own money, went to America to learn off the very best. What Olympians do really well, and what advantages they have slightly over us, is they have a phenomenal support system. Yep. However, to get to that start, they have to have some of their own ability. And everyone who's listening has got it. The problem is, sometimes we don't recognize we've got those skills. And we listen to naysayers who say, you can never do it. And I've used the phrase before that some people have a vested interest in your life not working. But everyone who's listening, you've got some dreams and aspirations. Yeah, most of you are not going to be able to win the World Cup. You're not going to be in, you know, opening golf. Why not? Because if you're not already at a reasonable stage, you're not. And the same as I've spoken about Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is phenomenal at golf. If he goes to play tennis... He's not going to be that good. That's not his sport. So you just have to start thinking, where are some of your strengths? And I I, I don't like people who do SWOT analysis, but there is a good bit about SWOT analysis that I like. Is that the very first bit of the SWOT is strengths. Mm -hmm. And what I'd love everyone to do is to write down what you really think are your top 10 strengths personally and in business. Mm -hmm. But here's the big one. Then I want you to really think about have I really cranked it up on those strengths or am I focusing on my weaknesses, which is what the W stands for? Yeah. Because if you work on your weaknesses, you get strong weaknesses. And I'm asking people in the last three months of the year to look at where their strengths lie, ramp that up and get other people. The same as we don't usually ask me to do the technical stuff on this. Yeah. Okay. 
I can loan it, but I'm still going to be nowhere near as good as you. So why don't I just hand it to a professional? Yeah. But too often, coaches, motivational speakers say, you've got those weaknesses, start working on them. I promise you now, if you work really hard on your weaknesses, you just get strong weaknesses. Yep. It's, it's, and you have some people listening, you go, yeah, but you've got to look at them. I look at my weaknesses and I can do some of them. But what I want to do is make sure I've got the right people working on the stuff that I'm not that good at. So I can spend my energy and time on the stuff I'm brilliant at, yep. or what I think I am. Yep. And it's interesting now the world is coming open a bit more that I'm having time to do some of my live events. And virtually every client I've done a live event for has rebooked me. Yep. That doesn't happen on Zoom for me because I'm not as good on Zoom as I am on live. Yep. So I don't know why we're surprised. So if you've got a team meeting, get everyone to write down their top 10 strengths. Ask them how much time have they spent on their top 10 strengths and what would happen if we gave them the capacity to really ramp that up instead of coaching them on what they're not good at. Yep, yep. End of my lecture. No, it makes sense. I think the other thing, there was right back in the beginning of your little ramble there, there was something you said that made me think of one of my favourite clips from a movie that I have to confess, I've never seen the whole film. I've only seen this clip. I've seen this clip loads of times. I've used this clip in events that I've run and stuff like that. And it's the death crawl scene from a film called Facing the Giants. And I'd suggest, like, you know, go go search YouTube for death crawl scene from Facing the Giants. Or just Is death... that where the American footballers have got someone on his back? Yes, exactly that, right? You know, the, to the synopsis, there's a kid that's playing American football who's asked to carry another kid to do the death crawl, carrying this other kid. And... I won't spoil it by telling you exactly what happens, but what I will say is that video absolutely shows the power of having the right person by your side guiding you and coaching you. Having someone else pushing you, having somebody else making you accountable, having somebody else make you realize what your potential actually is. And like you say, so often in life, people go, yeah, right, you're right, if you think you can't do it. Now, the reality is if you think you can't do it, and that's all you believe, you are right, you won't do it. But if you think you can't do it, but someone else has proven to you you can, what are you capable of, right? And yep. if it's something that you're already good at and you've got the right people to support you to make you phenomenal at it, where could, you know, where's, where's the ceiling then? Where's the limit then? Where can you get yourself to then? But I think so many people in general, and I think we're all guilty of this, you, me, everybody is guilty of this at some point, we listen to that negative voice, whether it's our own or it's somebody else that says, oh, no, I've known you for years. That's not you. Who says? Yeah, I love that line. It's not you. It's not yeah. you or it's not me. Who says? You know, like what do you want your identity to be? How do you want to show up? What's, you know, go go back to my book, Dumb Beats Perfect. You know, it's in there, right? It's not just decide what you want. It's decide who you need to be in order to get it. And then show up as if you are that person show up as if you are the person that you know not not pretending i know all the answers but show up as i'm willing to learn i'm open-minded enough that i that i'll take the steps and i'll and i'll find the right books and mentors and coaches and training and whatever whatever it is i need i will find stuff to get me over that line and get me the result that i've decided i really really want and if you're not prepared to put all that effort in guess what you probably don't want it that badly. You know, it's that... Or that inner voice keeps saying, you can't do it. Yeah, but, but, but there is a, there is a, you know, there's a phrase I've heard countless times that is, are you, prepared, you know, are you prepared to go to any lengths to make this thing happen? 
Well, that's W-I-T, isn't it? Whatever it takes. Exactly. Where's, any your, links. where's your wit? Any links, right? Not, you know, any links provided it's not, it's not this. Any links. If it matters to you enough, you will figure out how to do it, even if your first 27,000 attempts fail, right? You know, you still figure out how to get there or get close enough that you actually, you know, that you actually accept that you've got a result that's good enough for you. You know, I used to work with uh, an unemployed centre where they had to come in at 10 o'clock. And the rule was you had to be seated at 9.59, 59 seconds. And if you weren't, well, doors locked. just come in the room. Sorry? Yeah. Doors locked, right? Yeah. I remember when we first started this, we, we nearly played that game here. We did, yeah. Uh, but, but we gave up on that one after this episode 437. <laughs> um, but what was amazing is that when I used to say to people, you know, for £5 million, would you have been here on time? They went, of course I would. Yep. I said, well, so what you're saying is you didn't value it enough. Yep. So if we put a monetary price on what would it take and we gave you 10 million, you'd be amazed what people can do. Yep. Because they don't see the value in what they're going to do and how it will improve their life or enhance their life. It, it can wait. It doesn't matter. I'm never going to get there. But I'll put, I'll, I'll put money on. If you put money on it, yep. they'd find a way. Yeah, you just have to pick the appropriate amount for the person that you're dealing with. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, if you made it a monetary sum that was worthwhile to that person... But, that, but, but that's the big point. It, it's got to be something that feels significant. And the, if we pick that back a layer even further, why does that amount of money feel significant? What do you think it does for you? Okay, now think about the, the thing you're trying to do. Like, what's the, what's the feeling, the emotion, the result, you know, the, the thing you're going to feel about yourself, the thing that's in your identity? You don't actually need the money to get that. So whilst uh, I hear, whilst yeah, I hear yeah, what yeah, you're yeah, saying about putting the, the monetary value on it, and I'm not saying not to do that, what I'm also saying is, you know, you don't need someone to go, okay, when you do this, I'll give you 10 million quid. Because in your head you're going, well, if I've got 10 million quid, it's worth this, or 100 million quid, or a, a million quid. I don't care what the amount is, right? For some people, you know, for somebody it might be 10 grand. You know, it's not about that. It's about the significance you put on that number as to what you think it can help you achieve. And the real achievement is who you become trying to get it. Yeah, you see, this is where you and I have a slight disagreement, okay? I think some of that stuff is great in, in an esoteric sense. I promise you now, if you said to most people, if I said to you in the park run, if you get your time under 30 minutes, I'll give you a million. Oh, you'd be amazed how much training you'd be doing. For my my time's already under 30 minutes, mate. <laughs> What's the check? Well, there you go. See, in my mind, that's just like unbelievable. <laughs> but, but there's the whole point that, you know, We've got to find something, and I'm just saying it's very easy to watch people's eyes, and that's why when I coach people, I'm watching their eyes more than anything else to say, right, so what needs to happen? And then when they come up with the excuses, and then when you hit a trigger point, yep. you watch a flashlight moment come. And, and in a coaching sense, our job, whether we're coaching, mentoring, supporting, teaching, learning, is to find something that touches their essence, touches their heart, that says it's important, 100%. whether it's financially, mentally, spiritually, whatever it is. 100%. That's our job, is to de- dig deep to find out what's underneath that other layer that they're pretending not to know. Yep. And so when I'm working with people all the time, I'm always curious, what's the real story? Yep. Okay, yeah, but what's the real story? Yep. And if you look at your state agency advertising, whatever business you're in, if you're listening to this right now, what's the real story behind that story? And how and how many layers of the onion do you need to peel back? Yeah. Because for most people, it's between five and seven. So if you're going, hang on, there's this thing, yeah, but why? 
but why, but why, or, but what does that mean to me? Or why, you know, what's the impact of that? What, what does that mean? Like keep going. And there's a friend of mine that says, if your why doesn't make you cry, it's not really your why. Okay. And I think that's for me, that's, that, that's the, doesn't necessarily have to make you cry, but if you don't feel emotional about it, it ain't strong enough and you ain't going to do it. So I agree, I agree with that 1 billion percent. So I think that's it, a good place. I think that's another one of those. It's normally you going, that's a good place to end it. But like last episode, it was me. This one, it's me. I think it's a good cool. place to draw a line in the sand that just says, look, you know, whatever your thing is, you're trying to achieve for the rest of this year, right? Or or next year, or it can be for three years. I don't care, right? Your big thing, how committed to it are you and why? And the more you understand why, in fact, I, a very, very quick story. The first marathon I ever ran, which was the Edinburgh Marathon back in uh, 2013, the charity I was running for, I, I started to slow down at one point and I got to almost a walking pace because I was just like, I was feeling knackered and I, I wasn't done. I knew I was going to get to the end, but I was feeling a bit done. And I got a tap on the shoulder. Okay. And the guy's name was Ken. I know nothing about him, but it said Ken in big letters on the shirt he was running in. And the other thing that was written on that shirt was the same charity that I was running for. And he just tapped me on the shoulder and said, remember why you're doing this. And then he ran off. And guess what I did? I followed him. You just spent the rest of your life trying to chase him. I followed him, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like, he's got such a valid point. The people I'm running for, they need me to, they need me to crack on with this. So I cracked yeah. on with it, you know? And it's, it's just that emotional connection to why you're here in the first place. You know, there might be days where it's uncomfortable, where it's painful, where you don't want to show up. But if you've got a good enough understanding of why you're doing it, you'll show up anyway. See you next week. See you next week. Your best shit starts right here.